0: Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight, we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old trouble. Trouble on the drum, beat out old trouble on the drum, and kick old trouble out the door. Beat me and rhythm on the drum, beat me and rhythm on the drum, beat me and rhythm on the drum, and kick old trouble out the door, kick him out the door. Kick
1: Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. This program is produced by the extraordinary Kelly Whitworth and the pedestrian Joe Toscano does the interviews. Now, Kelly, did you put your hand in the big barrel and pull out a victim for us? I did. You did? Good. Now, I think on the end of the end of the phone. Now, I'm going to stuff this up because the bloody foreigners—they're everywhere. I reckon this is Jackson Jack MacInerny.
2: <laughs> I think that's close enough.
1: Well, so come it's on, it's tell us the real <laughs> pronunciation. Well, it's MacInerny. Oh, MacInerny! Oh, it, so. God! I had a, a drinking mate called McInerney you know, in the seventies. I'm shocked.
2: There's not many of us around.
1: Well, I don't think he's around either, considering his alcohol intake. <laughs> now, on that negative note, just to, just to give our listeners a bit of an idea of uh, your generational um, mm-hmm. input, um, what year were you born? I was
2: born in 1987.
1: 87. Well, you're pretty old, really.
2: Getting older every yeah.
1: day. Yeah, every day. Well, most feel. of yeah. most of us think get older every day, different. don't we?
2: Yeah. yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, uh, I guess you know. Some say it's however how old you feel, and I think that's very contextual, isn't it? Depends what you're uh, trying to achieve. Uh, um, how old you uh, feel uh, sometimes.
1: Now, do we call you <laughs> Jackson or Jack?
2: I'm ha- very happy with either.
1: Well, it's your it's your interview. Which one? <laughs>
2: um. Well, yeah, no, you can use them interchangeably, Joe.
1: Can do you do prefer Joe or Joseph? Uh, I prefer Joseph because there's a, a bloke called Joe Toscana who's a uh, well-known in Melbourne, but he's kind of on the different political plane I am, so I like to differentiate myself. So. <laughs> I like Finally, Jackson. I
2: Joe Toscana, who's a woman too.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of us about. But this is about you. Now, I like Jackson. It's got some gravitas to it, you know? Jackson. Well,
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, well, let's I roll well with that. You can also try Jacko on for size if you like. You Some have... of my mates call me Jackie or Jacks.
1: Yeah, you do? Yeah, excuse me. You're not one of us. You know Jacko, okay? With that <laughs> surname, how can you be a Jacko? All right. A Jacko <laughs> Mac. <laughs> my dad's
2: nickname was Knackers, but I never got that one.
1: <laughs> you're like... I got Wackers. Uh, were you actually born in Australia? Yes. Really? I was
2: born where the skate park used, was for a while in the city.
1: Oh, the Jesse McPherson?
2: I think that's right. Yeah. Or the, the Mercy, was it? Or the Wim?
1: No, oh, there was Wim- Jesse McPherson. It, it's a very famous hospital, Jesse McPherson, and I was really pissed off when they knocked it down a lot oh. of people were pissed off because what was now you've got a women's center the the central block was kept because Jessie McPherson is a very fat uh, look sorry about this but I'll, I'll get to, I'm a nut about history especially radical history it was actually the first hospital for women in Victoria and it was built by women donating a penny to a special fund because at that particular point in time in the 1880s and 1890s where there was no social security benefits a lot of there was a lot of unwanted pregnancies and women wouldn't farm out their children to what be described as baby farmers which are a little bit like puppy farmers and in many houses in the inner city Brunswick, um, Williamstown, Carlton if you dig in your backyard occasionally you'll come up with a child's skeleton because if you didn't pay your money as a single mother your child would disappear and so because there was a huge ruckus about this in the 1880s and 1890s the women of Victoria banded together, including the women in the emerging trade union movement in the uh, seamstress union, and they donated a penny uh, a week to a special fund to create the Jessie McPherson Hospital. Hmm. How's that? You were create- So you were born in a wonderful institution.
2: I think that's correct, because my mum always used to say that me and my sister were born in a women's hospital that wasn't there anymore, and then my younger brother and she used to say it was weird the skate because like when I grew up there was a skate park there. Yeah. Maybe I got the name wrong. But yeah. I do have a, a habit of having complete completely uh, uh apocryphal memories of my history. So um, and I'm learning this, you know, having now formally studied some history, it's a terrible habit. And uh I, I learn this when I recount, you know, some of my favourite stories about my past, the people who are always there and they say, Jackson that never happened <laughs> That's complete. <laughs> um, fallacy, uh, but you know you can't let the truth get in the way of a good story,
1: can you Joe? No, never. Um, look, look, I oh, look, I've been broadcasting for over four decades, and I agree with that it's the only way you get ahead <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Jackson, what's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth far out um, the
2: first thing I remember well again, this is hard to sort you know family folklore from actual memory, but when I was very little, between the ages of kind of two and four, we lived in Yulandamu, which is about you know equidistant between Darwin and Alice.
1: Hang on, um, hang on, just... hang on, hang on. You were born at Jesse Mack in bloody Melbourne.
2: Yeah, yeah, but my mum was a teacher. We went up there.
1: All right, okay. She
2: went up there to teach yeah. for a year and a half, something like that. Um, so yeah, and I was kind of learning to talk up there. Um, and spoke a bit of Wollongong as a little tucker, and you know, my memory was that I this is, this is a good example of these uh, nonsense memories. I this woman Cecily, who was a, a matriarch of the community, actually the grandmother of, of Liam Zara, if you remember him, who played yes. for, for yep. Melbourne. Yep. I my memory was that uh, she was my wet nurse, <laughs> but my mother told me that is complete baloney and she was just a close friend of the family. Uh so just me, you know, sidling up to some celebrity perhaps. But um the Yeah, she she gave both me and my sister skin names. I was Trappemar and my sister was Nakamara and you yeah, know, I think like one of my earliest memories is of the time up there I always used to say that my favourite memory of it was a billabong to my parents. I mean, do you remember this great billabong? There was no billabong. it was a river. I was like, no, no, it was an ice cream. It had chocolate and <laughs> it had berry and white chocolate and they don't make it any anymore. Yeah. They don't make this particular billabong mm. anymore. So it was always a very fond mm. memory. But, you know, I used to stand out in front of the general store and everyone who left, I'd just ask mm. them for a lick of their ice cream.
3: Yeah.
2: And, um, and, they thought, and they would give it to me. Yeah. I was a little blonde... Uh, ch- cherub and you know uh, so then when we came back to Melbourne you know we went to Carol's by Candlelight and I would just walk up to other people's rugs and sit down start eating their food say hey how's going? Very you know, very communally minded from a young age yeah,
1: that's right yeah what's yours is mine and what's what's <laughs> mine not yours <laughs> that's well, your attitude was it?
2: well when I was about 16 I was talking to my father about you know, the value of communal living, and he said, "You know, the most communally minded have uh, have the least to share." You know, in a moment of anger, to me, and you know, I, perhaps I need to find need to start accumulating more things to make it a more multi-directional transaction. Mm, mm. But maybe
1: he was wrong too. I don't know. Oh, you'll find out when you're seventy. I mean, I, uh, I I reflect on what my father used to tell me, and you know. the older I get the more I realise he may have been right and I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you go to primary school up there or down here in Melbourne? No, I went to Williamstown
2: Primary School. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh, right next to the rifle range, yeah.
2: I grew up next to the rifle range.
1: Oh, you lived next uh, right. I
2: watched that development get built.
1: hmm Did you go collect bullets as a kid? Yep. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they collect bullets out there. It's good. Um, used to stash,
1: you know, things to keep hidden from your parents out there as well. Yeah, young man. yeah, mm-hmm. Not porno magazine.
2: I went and sit down there yeah. in the rifle range at the end of the boardwalk. Yeah. And I, I sat out there. It was cold. And, you know, I thought, I thought if I stay long enough, my parents' fury will turn into fear. And I'll come <laughs> back and they'll be really happy to see me again but I only lasted
1: about six hours and I was cold and hungry so the fury had dissipated. What, what did you do? Can, can we, you want
2: to share? What did I do? I just sat and thought.
1: No, no, but why were they furious? That's what I'm interested in.
2: Well I had one of those strange experiences where I'd just been hypothesizing to my parents the day before about how they would react if I was suspended just out of interest <laughs> <laughs> and then incredibly, the next day I was suspended. Just, and, and they, and you will not believe this, Joe, but the man who suspended me actually wrote the incorrect date on the suspension form and then crossed it out and put the actual date, which was the next day. So my parents were convinced that I'd already been suspended the day before. That's why I'd been asking the questions. <laughs> um, but that was not true. <laughs> it was just a, a series of unfortunate events.
1: <laughs> so how old were you? How old were you? Oh, it was seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who'd believe a seven-year-old anyway? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, know I was eleven. I was eleven. eleven.
1: Or 12. Well, years old. then you're a chronic liar at that age. So who'd believe you anyway? <laughs> it's
2: a sign of high intelligence, apparently,
1: <laughs> chronic lying. Mm-hmm. So, <clears> what was life like for a, a nice little cherub at uh, Williamstown? Who had a little bit of Aboriginal, um, you know, a little bit of an Aboriginal understanding.
2: Life like. like, well, you know, it, it was idyllic in some ways, to be fair. Like, we oh, yeah. a very safe suburb, a lot of kids our own age, you know, they could move around. But it's a very, very monocultural suburb as well. Like, when I, I changed schools when I was in Yannou, I went to school in the city. And, um, you know, I'd never met, you know, someone from, you know, I'd never met a Jewish person. I'd never met, really socialized with anyone who wasn't. White to to be you know to be honest about it like it was, like there was a you know a few kids in my year I'm still mates with but they, it was very yeah they, it was a it was a pretty monocultural upbringing I would say in retrospect.
1: Yeah, how, about, how about all those foreigners at the shipyard, mate? The Italians and the Greeks. Did you have much contact uh, with their children at school? Mm. The Croats, yeah. the Bolts, you know.
2: No, I feel like a lot of them went to the, through the Catholic school system in Willie, You know, it was fairly segregated in that way, right. I reckon. Like we had some Mary's across the road. Um, and that was, you know, probably where more of those kids went in primary school. And then the other thing about Williamstown is that, you know, it was it was changing demographics, and a lot of kids went from the public primary school into private schools as well, mm, or yeah. into the Catholic school system after the the state school system. So... But yeah, like we you know, this wasn't. This is just. It's just more of an observation mm. in retrospect, and you know, it's a yeah, it's 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 town. You know, people would describe it as a a country town in the middle of the city before they built the Westgate Bridge, and it was very isolated and insular. There's a lot of pubs per square meter. Mm. There's a big a big, uh, focus on the sporting clubs down there as well. Sport was very central. I wasn't much of a sportsman. I um. You know, was a physical coward and uh, i hated getting injured.
1: Um, no, 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 you're a realist. You realise that, you know, you were meant for bigger things than getting smashed up in a football field.
2: Yeah, no, I just didn't. I, didn't I, never, <clears throat> I never suffered from white line fever, not even as a kid. But like other people's uh, aggression intensity used to just make me giggle. Like I couldn't believe they were <laughs> taking it so, so seriously. And I remember when I quit the football club, you know, first of all, I remember quitting the cricket club, which was. Hang on, um,
1: hang on. Yeah. You were in the football club.
2: Well, yeah, everyone was, you know, we all we all had to go and uh, play with cricket, you know, yeah, was, it was the done thing. First I played cricket and I uh, hated cricket and I passed out one day, we keep it, was 40 degrees, I was very dehydrated, I passed out and I was told to get up, stop being embarrassing. So I said, I'm never playing again, I just saw black spots, I'll never walk out of a cricket again, so I didn't. And then I left football to join the school play. Mm. And my coach at the time, the brother of a storied AFL footballer, he said to me, you
3: know, what are you? I'm, you know, I'm
2: a poof <laughs> and, and I said, oh, there's plenty of, actually, lots of girls in the school play. Um, I'm gonna, There's no else here at the footy club, so I'll, I'll see you later. But it was a lot, you know, like I, was, I felt I felt that pretty keenly. Like I was inter- really interested in art and theatre and mm. like all of that was pretty... Uncool
1: mm. for a young man mm. and, um, growing up, you know, in the far, well, have the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was uncool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this, it, it is uncooled, uncooled. theatre. I mean, yeah, man, yeah. I it.
2: yeah. well, it's not though. This is brilliant. This no, is, it's amazing not. No. Stories and ideas, but it's
1: like you know that you know. Like I, I like any Australian
2: childhood,
1: I guess. Yeah, can I can I tell you a horrible story? I've, I've never shared this with anybody, but. Um, our deputy principal, when I was at high school, grade eleven, he uh, he was, you know, artistically inclined, and we went to a really, really tough school called Salisbury State High in Brisbane. It was the Dregs. and guess what he did to punish us kids? He organised a male boys' choir. <laughs> so somewhere there are pictures of me. Somewhere there are pictures of me in a male boys' choir.
2: Well, there's certainly pictures of me in the same,
1: jar I like? <laughs> yeah, them. but but did that you was 20. It once you
2: did, it? did
1: you enjoy Did it? you enjoy Well, it's funny you did. We did. We actually sang at uh, school assembly and everybody would be giggling and we we, we took it very seriously. Yeah. Now, getting back to your story, look, I've just, just realised we asked the big questions here in Radical Australia. Now, with that surname, I assume it's Irish background or Scottish-Irish? What do you think it is? Yeah, I...
3: Irish on my
1: yeah. Well, you know, how come? How come? How come your bloody parents didn't send you to the Catholic school at Williamstown? What's going on here?
2: Well, my father was a a lapsed Catholic, I suppose, when I was a kid, or you he know, was very anti the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And my mother was from a you know an English Protestant family, I would say Methodist, but not practicing at all. Mm-hmm. Her father was a, he worked for the. Um, Harbour trust as a carpenter with right. for many many years and so I guess like you know John my dad married out of that in a way yeah. um, they didn't they didn't get married until you know the, the begging of his mother after I was born so right. I was at their wedding and my sister was too a small affair yeah. you know, non-denominational and they you know they were you know they were they went they spent time at Terrania creek you I know, got parents had draft-dodging hippies, and, you know, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah we, we, we were raised, like, our household was spiritual, I would say, more through my mum, but definitely not, a very, very anti-organised religion, I would say, oh, because, yeah. you know, Dad had gone to a Catholic school, had some pretty horrendous experiences there, and, you know, like, yeah, I think they, they just weren't, they were yeah, they were, it was definitely an anti-organised religion household, but... Oh.
1: Oh, that makes sense. A lot of Irish go down that path, a lot of Italians. My my parents were, what we describe as, I assume, maybe like your parents. We were Christmas Catholics.
3: Mm.
1: (laughs) We went to church on Christmas Day. That was it. Now, did you go to high school? I assume you did because you were so talented.
2: I went to high school. Yeah. Yeah, I got
1: got
2: into high school.
1: Yeah. 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 Did you get out? Got out of high school, 2004. Did you graduate high school? You graduated. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, what what subjects did you do? Oh
2: literature, mm-hmm. philosophy, media, theatre, oh. psychology. And I failed year eleven maths.
1: <laughs> well, you wouldn't have been you know, it wouldn't have been on your own failing year eleven maths the way it used to be taught.
2: Yeah, no, I I, 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 I didn't just fail. I failed I bailed up. You know, I failed in the. I failed in every possible metric, attendance, <laughs> workbook, exam. It was a bit of a, a protest of one. I really didn't want to do the subject, and I was told I had to. And so right. I, uh, right. I, so then, didn't I?
1: Even then, you were a bit of a rebel, were you?
2: <laughs> my, you know, you said before what what the memories of my earliest memory. My pretty much my memory of schooling is just being yelled at, either <laughs> at school or at high like that. Is <clears throat> that is how I remember. School was just a constant um, bit of a fight with with people, but uh, you know, like I I, I liked learning and mm. I liked writing and reading, mm. and mm. You know, like I, I did well, but I, I I had difficulty controlling my tongue. <clears throat> well, I've gotten much better at that, but I, I had difficulty <laughs> controlling what I would say and when I would say it, and so I spent a lot of time in. Various styles of detention
1: and whatnot. Oh, can you tell us your favourite? <laughs>
2: My favourite? Yeah, yeah, Well, I have this particularly nasty geography teacher
1: mm. called
2: Mr Pask. Uh
1: Is he still alive? Is he still alive?
2: I have no idea whether he's still alive. Well, let's, like let's, let's, alive. let's,
1: yeah, look, look, we don't want to, yeah. we, we don't want to defame the living, the dead, it's fine, but... You had a nasty. Was
2: it? I had a nasty teacher, right. a nasty geography teacher, who, who also right. happened to have written the textbook, or maybe he'd set the book that he'd written. Right. And anyway, we, we had a poor relationship to begin with. But one day, I was in theatre studies, and we were um, we were playing this warm-up game where you walk around and you say very loudly things that you are looking at. You know, to kind of rapid-fire succession. That, you yeah. yell the word, or you are it to kind of get your mind sharper and your voice active and. This particular teacher happened to be walking past the classroom, so I was, you know, yelling chair and window, and then I, he looked at me and I looked at him and I I yelled, you know, I, prof- I won't swear, but I yelled a profanity while I while I looked at him and he looked at me. I thought that maybe I, I could say that it was in the game, but he didn't see it that way, obviously. Um, and then, so that kind of, we had this, you know, t- you know he told my parents, he didn't think I should. Ex- I, I, I should have been born.
3: Classic like, uh,
2: uh, parent teacher <laughs> interview. I had this very late assignment which I submitted completely. Fortunately, and I put on the bibliography. I said, you <clears throat> because I was citing his textbook, and I said, "Well, I abused this book. Can't quite remember who wrote it. Oh well, probably nobody very important." <laughs> and I submitted that to him. And uh,
1: he, that he's asking for it. <laughs> Well,
2: I didn't He like, didn't like him. He was he wasn't just he wasn't just me like he you know, I liked fighting with people verbally, verbal spark. I was tiny all through high school, I didn't think I was yeah, seventeen
1: so you you or well, well,
2: well, well, eighteen, so I was, yeah. I had to sharpen my tongue. I was very, yeah. very little, very yeah. underdeveloped, very high pitched voice and right, right. and uh <laughs> but he would be very, very mean to other kids in the class, you know, calling kids little grease balls and saying oh, they had no, yeah. no purpose and their yeah. parents
1: must be in, like it was just a cruel... Yeah. the good old days, the good old days, the good old days. When men were it men. A, it was
2: a shit school, you know. Like, yeah. It was a it was a school that you know, it was Mel- Melbourne High School was a school mm-hmm. and it, it's, 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 it's ethos at the time. We had this very upright principal called uh, Mr. Willis and uh, I remember once me and my friend, we, we, we got a petition with lots of signatures to have the Union Jack pulled down from above the school mm-hmm. and you know perhaps the Indigenous flag, flag flown up there instead. you know mm-hmm. And we, I think we gathered 300 signatures and we took it to his office, we put it in front of him and, and he said, he read it and he cleared his throat and he put it back on the table. He pushed the document back towards us. And he said, boys, this is very impressive, but if you push this, I will expel you. <laughs> and that was the end of the...
1: The protest, yeah. The Oh, look, let's move on to Greener Pastures. You fell out of high school. What, what did you fall into? Well,
2: I went to study journalism at RMIT.
1: Why did but you choose... Uh, now, don't tell me it's because you had poor marks that you chose journalism. Tell me that you had a love for it.
2: No, I had good good marks. Uh, I could've, probably, probably could have chosen whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I... Well, I really wanted to go and study drama, to be honest. It's what I really wanted to do, but I was talked out of that by
3: people close
1: to me. Yeah, well, you need, you need, you need a job. I've heard that's, this well, one before. <laughs> you need, you need something that'll they're make they're money. Right. <laughs> that's what they said to me. Um, look, look, every yeah. parent says that to their child at some stage. I want to be in a rock, band. You need to become a dentist first, you know? Mm-hmm. Crush any ambition, you know? It's, it's, it's our role as parents.
2: But I could have been a TikTok superstar if I had honed my. No, nah,
1: there was no TikTok then. You're <laughs> too old for it now.
2: There was no Netflix either. There was no glut of content by the yeah. actors popping up everywhere. Yeah. Jobs out the wazoo. Look at journalism now, yeah.
3: God.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, it's a it's a it's an old it's an old discussion. But um, I went to do journalism. I, I, to be honest, I chose journalism because I wanted to be Hunter S. Thompson by the time I was eighteen.
3: Uh-huh. Um,
2: and I quickly found that most other people in the course did not want to be Hunter s Thompson. they wanted to be on the news or um, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, you know I did uni I, got, I went too early went straight out of high school I you mm. know, wasn't really that interested. I was also working multiple jobs you know I moved out of home straight away and mm. so I didn't do very well i you know i did i just coasted i didn't didn't make any take any advantage of the networking opportunities that were presented to me. I've always hated that word. And um yeah, so I studied that. And then I ended up managing a pub. And then I started a business.
1: Back, back, and back, back, I back, 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 back. Managing a pub. How did you fall into that gig?
2: Well, you know, you just
1: No, no, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you.
2: <laughs> well you just start behind the bar. Yeah. And you do the stock take and then you do the rosters and uh-huh. then you know you just, you just do whatever the bosses ask you to do uh-huh.
1: and then eventually that's what you end up doing and what uh, do you know? and uh, what look we won't kind of mention it but what suburb are you in? oh well,
2: this was still in Williamstown
1: oh uh, Williamstown was, i have moved
2: out and moved back you know uh-huh. I lived in, lived in Thornbury and Clifton Hill and uh-huh.
3: Footscray and, and anyway i Went
1: overseas a few times. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You went overseas. Yeah. What, what was the first time you went overseas? Uh, I think
3: I was
2: nineteen. I went to went, went to India. Was the first
1: place I went. Really <laughs> then... <laughs> <laughs> the questions aren't hard enough, <laughs> Kelly. That's why he's falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. You went. Yeah. You went. You went. To India. What? You're following a guru or a girl or a boy? What were you following? Anybody well, who goes I to India follows somebody.
2: I actually think I went, you know, I think I needed to get out of the country.
1: Right. Like um, Asia was chasing you? <laughs> no,
2: nothing, nothing so glamorous. No, no, I just was, Um, I was just doing, doing my folks and friends' heads in probably. Like I was. I suppose, like, I did, I did very well at the end of school and I got a pretty big head out of it, I reckon. Mm. And, uh, the school that I went to was, um, you know, was not, was not backwards in coming forwards about turning its graduates into arrogant little you know what's, you know, like they, we used to start assembly with, you well, know, the you, future you, what, doctors, what, lawyers and politicians of tomorrow, they'd say to us.
1: Well, you, you were, you know. were, you were the cream of the cream <laughs> in <laughs> it the is, public.
3: This is what they would say to us all the time.
2: You yeah, well, yeah. you
1: were, you were. You must have been a big disappointment to them. <laughs> Not to many, there. <laughs> because
2: yeah. all I wanted to do was,
1: you
2: know, party and, and yeah. I did. I did it, I did it with <laughs> POM for many years.
1: But so, um, you went to India. Let's get back to India. I'm interested because I've been so I to into India. Where would you go? Yeah. I got,
2: you know, I moved into a share house. Got, you know, went down a, pr- a pretty crazy path for a little while. And then you know, I think I think my parents were like, you've got to you know, get out of the house. I'm like, yeah, I can't have you coming in. I was still living at home. I moved back home or something, and they just wanted me to leave. And yeah. I think I'd been paying rent to them. And one day my mum was like, I've just been keeping the rent. I'm giving you a ticket. I want you to just go, just buy a ticket and go somewhere. She said, in the words of Gough Whitlam, it's time. It's time. And,
1: uh,
2: and I, so I I left. But my, my dad actually came with me for the first month. I'd never been. He came, he, he loves India. And he, mm. he came back and we travelled together for, for a month. Oh, that's good. Which included. Yep, mm. it was good. We kind of close together. And, you know, like, I went to India, then I went to Europe. I lived in Ireland for a while and, um...
1: You lived. Work, in, you, work hang in on, hang on. You lived in Ireland for nobody lives in Ireland for a while.
2: Well, you know, everyone was going to the UK. You yeah, know, yeah. England, so, well,
1: well yeah. you weren't. You weren't searching. Yeah, for, you weren't searching for your roots, were you, Jackson?
2: I was, but I did. I was. You know, I, I was always curious. Like I, I liked Irish writers, and mm. I, I liked the lyricism of the kind of mythos around Ireland. And, um, mm. But what I found, I, I suppose, it's a bit like you know, I was a real anti patriot I still am you know anti-nationalist as a young man I, I hated the jingoism of the Howard government and you know the and I I you know so I, I felt alienated about my Australianness and I thought maybe I'll go and find out what you know what Ireland's all about but the, the kind of the reverse thing happened like Dublin compared to Melbourne is a tiny city and it's you know if if, if, if Williamstown was monocultural Ireland was Twenty times that, you know, and the racism that I experienced over there blew my mind. You know, mm. they had they had this big influx of Polish workers, you know, the EU and you know the part of the block, and it was just it was so obvious on display. And the drinking was, you know, very very heavy, and you know I got into that, but I was I was bored, I was lonely, I you know I had no friends or anyone. That
1: could, what about you know. this extended family of yours? Every Irish person is an extended family, or is that a mythology?
2: Well, I, you know, I stayed with my my um my father's sister, his older sister, who was much much older than him. he was an uncle when he was seven; he was one of seven, and um, um so so. But she's actually an American, and she. She'd be, well, she she was born in Australia. She married a Scotsman. They lived in America. Had their kids there, and they they were currently living in Ireland. It, they're a very credentialed kind of pair. He was doing some. Her partner Gary was doing these grants for the for the EU. These EU science grants, and he was mm. advising the Kazakhstani government. And they kindly took me in, but you know I was a tearaway. like I ended up, you know, banging on the wrong. House next door, trying to get them to let. I'd gotten confused which house it was, screaming, letting me in, and you know, one classic morning, I I was. I'd been. My sister was living there at the time too, studying, and I'd been at her university apartment, and I, you know, gotten terribly, terribly drunk, and ended up. (laughs) I was very sick in the middle of the night, and I in the you know red wine everywhere, and I. I cleaned all I cleaned all the bed, Joe. Like I cleaned everything up in the middle and I started the washing machine so I was being very quiet and then I got up in the morning, and I came out the front door of my bedroom, my auntie was sand and said, Did you have a good night? Jackson said, Oh yeah, it was fine, fine, no problem. And she was like, Oh yeah, did anything happen last night? Like,
0: no, no, nothing
2: happened I turned around and there was just vomit all over the front of my bedroom door. Like the whole thing I was just behind my back as I was talking to her and uh, I just yeah, so I
1: moved out not long after that, and um, well, I got my own hey, hang on Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, Jackson. No, hang on, Jack, Jackson. Did you clean up before you moved out? Of course, I cleaned oh. up. <laughs> I needed to ask. I'd already cleaned up. I've, already had cleaned up. Had re- I've had relatives like you stay at my place, and, I, and they didn't clean up. But go, on, so you're better than of am. I, than I didn't miss the spot. I missed the spot. Right. Um, but but yeah,
2: I moved out. I got my own joint. 700 euro a month or something outrageous, a tiny room. It was a single bed with a a door at the end. I was working 60 hours a week at the Four Seasons Hotel as a banquet waiter serving the Irish elite. And I notice, you know, they always come into these, it was Christmas, and they'll come to these charity parties, Joe, you know, they come to these Bernardo's Children's Charity and Oxfam. And it was the same pricks every week walking up to these various piss-ups to pat themselves on the back, and they were the most mm. disgusting people mm. I'd ever met in my life, and, you know, serving
1: them Yeah, so you got on the philanthropy was, circuit. <laughs> oh, wow.
2: And that's you know, this is, you start to, you know, the more you spend time with people, you know, like these, these, you have these revelations about yeah, like, you know, these big charities, like, uh, funnily enough, I went from that job to actually raising money for these charities, so these are the jobs you can get when you're, when you're
1: overseas, you know. But did you wear something funny?
2: Port Leash, you know, <laughs> saying to people, you know how many Irish kids are sleeping outside tonight, and someone would punch me in the stomach and say, I don't I slept on the street last night, <laughs> And then you go, then you look at the breakdown of where all this money's going and you're raising from PBR hardworking people on the street yeah. and you know that, you know, fifty percent of it is going to administration executive outlays and this is, there's been a bit of four seasons hotel and these lavish Christmas parties
1: yeah. where they have on the back and Yeah, but Jackson, did you have to dress as a leprechaun?
2: Of course I. That would be very culturally insensitive and I w I wouldn't do something like
1: that. <laughs> all right. You came back to the land of Oz. What did you do?
2: Well, first I went to America.
1: Oh. Uh,
2: and that was fun. America's fun. Um, it's right. very different to the kind of political lens that we always see. It's such a varied continent, so mm. different everywhere, and that was great. And, and anyway, I just got a lot of love for Melbourne as a cultural mecca of going overseas, I think. Like, I don't think I really appreciated what I lived in until I left it, which I think is very common and and now, you know, obviously the last two years have been really hard from that aspect. You know, before I, I came on the show, you know, I was saying to to Kelly that I had a bit of imposter syndrome because, you know, I, have, I don't think I've done, don't have great radical credentials really, but I, I would say that I think mainly I'm a social activist that my best work is done around dinner tables and so I've really been muted during this uh,
1: so now, now, Jackson, look. I, I, I need I need to expand on this because our listeners are aghast now. Social activism around a dinner table—what does it entail?
2: Well, I suppose it just entails getting people to go into spaces that they want to avoid at dinner. Like I, I didn't realise.
1: You did that all. Year. You did that as a kid in primary school.
2: I know, but you, but you get better at it as you get older. You know, right. Because you start off gentler, mm-hmm. and you know people don't realise. They don't. You know how most people, you know, there's all those lines you know, and they never talk about politics or
1: politics
2: or religion yeah. at work. They're yeah. the only thing I like to talk about. So, <laughs> especially at dinner parties, and it was a real shock to me Mm -hmm. So I was in therapy a few years ago, and I said to my therapist, "You know, I was at this thing. I got this big argument with my family. They got really annoyed with me." And he said, "Well, you had a dinner party. Why did you start an argument?" I said, "Well, that's what dinner parties are for." He said, "And he said, Jackson, most people go to when they go out to dinner, they're hoping not to have an argument." And I I was dumbstruck. Like that was the first time that I that had ever crossed my mind that people went to meet other people not to argue, not to debate. Like this was this was mind-boggling to me and I still like it still surprises me that it just shows how unaware I was of, of other people and that that may still be true
1: but uh it was hey, um, you know you know I just worked out a job for you mate where you can make a lot of money and actually enjoy oh, yourself no. being abusive okay why um, don't you set up a website that you hire yourself out to go to dinner parties um, and and be the contrarian do you think uh, uh,
2: as, as the conversations we've said, though, do
1: you think anyone would hire that person? Yes, that's what I'm saying, because sometimes people have got to organise dinner parties and they want a hand grenade thrown in. Yes,
2: okay. I'll
1: yeah, listen, okay. I'll... yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be a great job, and obviously nobody else is doing it, so you could corner <laughs> sure, the market, you know, <laughs> offer <laughs> your services, you know. You, 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 I've ne- I mean, you, you dress up well, you'd be all right. You go in in you know, a suit and then you'd start off saying, you know... But I don't want to... I've tried
2: running a business, and it's, it's, it's horrible. You know, you've got to have business meetings all the time.
1: No, 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 to to no, 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 you, you, I, no, 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 you don't employ people. You're it. Oh, okay. You're, miss, it. Uh, You're it. You're it. Okay. You're the business. It's you. You're an influencer.
2: An influencer.
1: Oh, yeah, but, but in dinner parties. <laughs> in dinner
2: parties. And before oh, you know
1: I, it, you'll get television interviews, you know. I, I
2: think all I'm saying is that I miss dinner parties. I think mean, that's what I'm trying to say. And so maybe,
1: Joe, maybe they don't miss me. Oh, there's a lot of dinner parties. There's a lot of be- very boring ones, and I'm sure people would like to spice it up. And they give, yeah, and they give you a running sheet, you know, and what to bring up about the family, you know, about who got what in the will. And, and, oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, and you create an, and they create an, you create an argument at the dinner party. That's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> who got what in the will? <laughs> so... Social activist, okay, all right. Dinner party social activist. I've met a few of them. Yeah. Sam is, is is that Sam akin Sam to being is that akin to being an armchair activist or a click activist?
2: Or a keyboard warrior?
1: Keyboard call... warrior. <laughs> I think
2: this is true. I think I think this is when I first came to 3CR, It was, um, you know, I recognised that my activism was mainly just running my mouth or running my keyboard, <laughs>
3: and
2: I wanted to learn more about, you know spade work and actually and I have learned a bit more about it but I still haven't done that much of it because it is, does sound like work meanwhile running your mouth just for me is is fun so yeah. I
3: yeah. I do
2: enjoy talking about yeah. issues and I enjoy um, holding a position on them but you know doing the work is something I'm, I'm still, still learning I'm still learning to yeah,
1: do it but you're very lucky you're about 30 years younger than me because your type of bloke would be missing front teeth in my era.
2: <laughs> oh, so no, if I had a penny for every time someone of your generation has said that to me,
3: yeah.
2: I would have a lot of pennies. Yeah,
3: I'm he's... glad.
2: I'm glad I didn't live in a brutal era. You know, I've never thrown a punch in anger, and I've never been punched. And you know that maybe it's it's great. I'm well,
1: around it's around. great. I'm very pleased. I've never been. Cons- I was never. You know, I was of the draft resistance but I, I was never conscripted I've never fought somebody else's war I'm exceptionally lucky exceptionally lucky too. yeah we we're, we're very lucky people um, so you come back to melbourne so what do you do for a crust
2: I work in a high school as administrator in IT
1: administrator yeah. in IT what does that entail
2: well normally i do what's called the daily organising mm mm-hmm in a high school which is like you know we have five campuses and about 150 staff and if the staff are absent you know i replace them with casual relief teachers and if certain rooms or certain classes are going out on an excursion or having an incursion or having a special program running special timetable i organize that and make sure everybody knows where everybody is and where they're going there's a lot of movement between campuses so it's a bit of it's just like a Logistics puzzle each morning, and then I, I send it out to my colleagues at eight am, explaining what will be happening for the day, and I also send out poetry, sometimes mine, sometimes others, and commentary on the day's events. It's kind mm-hmm. of like a, mm-hmm. a totally unedited newsletter, um, which is really nice, and incredibly, the uh, school leadership let me do that for a few years now. Um,
1: mm. So how, you, so how did you fall into that job, which obviously suits you to the ground? Uh,
2: how did I fall into it? Um, the principal of the school was my year seven and eight English teacher mm-hmm. and I heard they were looking for people to work in i t and I thought and I just left my business, and I was thinking, I thought, well, I'm generationally blessed with computers, so I'll go and do that
1: oh that's good Now you said you left your business and you said you hated business what did you hate about business
2: well when we started the business I started with my oldest friend my closest friend Mm. but both started out of university and we wanted to create like um a place where people could I I suppose like a a space online for people to find creatives you know like artists and uh, script writers and musicians and uh, hook them up to existing jobs to, so like, remove, you know, some of the, like, opacity and, and like, um, you know, it can be for young artists coming out of uni or coming out of high school, it can be really hard to navigate, like, how to turn that into, you know, a living. Mm-hmm. And we kind of wanted to take away some of the mystification of that process and put, you know, local organisations in contact with local artists. But that was our, our aim. But, you know, it was our first business, and we ended up kind of just becoming a creative agency that that made films and websites and, um, you know, content for, you know, I, we, we both wanted to, in the outset, work exclusively for kind of social justice organisations. So we did a lot of stuff around housing and mental health and, um, environment, you know, we made a, I think a 12 part environmental series on Channel 31 called Ecotopia. that was all about like, you know, innovative responses to climate change and, you know, we made, yeah, docu- like quite a few longer documentaries about housing, about drug and alcohol recovery, about youth mental health, like all these kind of things. But you know, my my business partner was you know was more business minded, wanted to grow the business, and wanted to expand, and we started to take on jobs that I was really uncomfortable with, um, and and also just the whole like you know sometimes you go I'm. I'm someone who only learns by doing things and and really and mucking them up. You know, I can't really be told, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I, I if I had to take an advice, you know, I never really wanted to be a business person. Like, my, I don't find money much of a
0: motivator beyond
2: meeting the, the basic essentials. And like, I don't, I feel very alienated by the consumer culture that we that we live in. Um, like, I don't, I don't like stuff, and I get difficult getting excited. At, about stuff um, you know the newest this and the newest that uh, but anyway we started, there was one this one particular job where we were asked to build a website for these guys up in Queensland who who essentially their aim was to change the Australian relationship with the armed forces to something more closely akin to the way the u.s populace look at their Marines you know yeah. to make to yeah. make ads and content and I just thought this was that was the absolute you know, antithesis of what I was interested in. I expressed this to my, by then I had two business partners and I said, really uncomfortable. This is the exact opposite of what I think should be happening in the world. Like, and you know, we had, you know, I, I ended up just leaving, but you know, by that stage as well, like I was, I was not happy, you know, and I was, um, you know, tapering over the cracks of my misery with, you know, drink and drugs and whatever. And, I just needed to get out of there, so, so I did.
1: Mm. You said you entered therapy. Did you did you find it useful?
2: Yeah, I've done a few different stints over the years. Mm. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's definitely helped me. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely just to like get an understanding of um, yeah, like the ways that you deal with stress and the ways that you deal with um, adversity and like trying to understand why um, yeah life take takes the paths it does and you make the choices you do and you know it's um yeah I think it's been been helpful for me.
1: Mm, but good.
2: it really depends on the person that you're talking to as well, I
3: think, or of anything else.
1: Well it does, it does. You're quite right. I mean there are good therapists and bad therapists, good doctors, mm. bad doctors, good engineers, bad engineers and good fugs and bad fugs, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends what you're looking I'm for. Now, dickheads in every corner and legends in every corner. Yeah, yeah, sometimes a dickhead is a legend and a legend is a dickhead. You know, we're all composites yeah, of each yeah. other. Yeah, there's nothing, yeah. nothing, like, you know, there's no perfect human beings. We've all got feelings.
2: No, well. no. I like to think that people aren't their worst behaviour or their best behaviour. You know, they're normally somewhere in between. Most people have
1: both. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it concerns me these days that there doesn't seem to be any. Um, Forgiveness or empathy if you kind of kind of kind of fall off the trail as they say it, you know, but that's the that type of culture annoys me,
2: yeah, I agree with that I think um you know it's kind of I think you know people a lot of people talk about the impact that social media has had, but this like these these idealized versions of the self that people put out there these um these crafted identities you know mm-hmm. they're not. They're not real, so they don't really stand up to, to the, you know, as we've just said, like, most people make mistakes. Most people take, take time to learn things. And, um, yeah, I would say if someone has done something that you don't like, the worst thing you can do is excommunicate them, you know. The best thing is to talk to them about it.
1: Yeah, yeah You must have had a hard night last night. <laughs> a lot of yawning here going on.
2: Make dry yawn. Yeah. I've got a
1: two-year-old daughter. I do don't, I don't, Oh no! Wonder you're yawning. Well, when, did, when, when did all this happen? Well, about
3: two years
2: ago. Well,
1: hopefully before two years ago. Unless it was <laughs> unless it was an immaculate conception.
3: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does she keep you on your toes? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a uh, change. Uh, but I um, mean, yeah, really enjoying
2: it at the moment. Um, she's pretty, pretty charming and. It makes me laugh a lot, yeah. and that's really nice. It's been a real blessing during lockdown to just have a little person who doesn't doesn't yeah. you know they don't,
1: they don't want to go to the theatre. They just want to hang out with you. So that's right. <laughs> it's funny, you know, my um, daughter rang me. If it's you know the lockdown's very difficult. She rang me. Uh, she, we've got a six six month old granddaughter, and she said uh, she said Dad, could you Send me a photo of yourself because every time she sees somebody new, she starts crying because she's had no contact with human beings apart from her parents and her brother. Mm. Oh, that's very sad. How old is she? Six months. Oh, yeah. So she's in that period, you know, that COVID period. You wonder yeah, what impact you, it has,
2: yeah. You do think about that and you think about, you know, how much people, people get from reading faces and expressions and, mm. you know, these masks all the time. I don't know. I don't know if you used this. I, I, before I had, before we had Siggy, we never used video conferencing. I always found it strange. I much prefer to be on the phone where you can have the illusion of undivided attention. But mm. but the, uh, the the video conferencing is so brutalist. You know, you got this person right there and I just never liked it. But it has been a bit of a yeah, a good um, circuit breaker for her to at least see yeah, her grandparents and yeah. Um, all those things. We've been very lucky. My, my partner, Mads, her mum lives mm. right around the corner from Australia, at least. Right. been able to be really involved throughout oh, this God. period, which is
1: amazing. I assume now that they've got a granddaughter, that you're you're back in the fold, Jackson?
2: <laughs> well, I'm lucky, you know. like uh, They're tolerant people. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever been out of the fold.
1: Ah. <laughs> now, let's get back to the Let's get to the crux of the matter. We only got about seven or eight minutes going. You mentioned the word 3CR, the Community Radio Federation. When did all that start? When did that start?
2: Um, I think I walked in in 2016,
3: mm. met Leanne
2: and said I'd like to get involved. Like, I, you know, I knew... I've known for a long time where my political heart lies, but I think I've kind of, you know, I think it it, it took it took you know, To be really honest, it's like it took me a lot of like courage to walk in. Like I felt really nervous. That might sound strange, but I really, um, you know, respect a lot of the a lot of the content that comes out of there and a lot of the people that are involved in the work that they do. And I you know I still feel like, you know, a bit of an imposter sometimes because. Um yeah, I guess, I guess as a straight, white, middle-class man in the current environment, you know, like the, some of, you know, like you just you just feel a bit like you're taking up airspace sometimes.
1: Hang and, on, um, hang on, hang on, hang on, Jackson. D- don't beat yourself up.
2: There's
1: people like me elderly white middle-aged men okay. mm-hmm. we're the ones you've got to worry about not you mom we, we've stuffed up the world for you so you know you're, yeah, you're, you're there to fix it up
2: yeah yeah no I think I think listening is important too it's never been one of my great strong suits but um yeah yeah. Anyway, I think it's just something that I was aware of um and I, and I still um but, but it's been it's been amazing from like I, I just I love the kind of I uh, so very very welcomed and supported and in a way that's been really um good for me in terms of like you know pe- people are very encouraging but also kind of keep a respectful distance in a way like it's just not like i don't know like there's just this hmm. there's just a vibe of like a great vibe of Solidarity and there's always yeah. like when you're yeah. in there there's always really interesting people coming in and yeah. I don't
1: know, I just I just kinda well, yeah, the difference is it's a federation, it's not a cult. No, it's not a
2: cult. It's
1: a federation. It's, yeah. it's a federation of disparate people who've got different ideas who come together to use this great institution. It's not a cult, and that's why people feel welcome. They come, they go, they leave. Did you do the training, or did you sneak past yeah, the training? Yeah, I did the
2: training. I was lucky. I was
1: lucky I got to do face-to-face training. Yeah, who, who trained you? Oh, That's the impact know. they had on you. can't remember. <laughs> Ethan. Yeah. one of my
2: trainers.
1: Yeah. And um, Tishin. Yeah, Tishin, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, Corey.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey's gone. Tishan's gone. I think Tishan you see occasionally. Corey's no longer here. Yeah, that's that's the thing about three C R people come and go. So you did the training, and uh, has that led to bigger and better things, or is just? I, yeah, I did breakfast
2: with Gab.
1: You did Gab breakfast with? with oh, that's tough. <laughs> I mean, I mean, with Gab, that is tough. She 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 knows her politics, mate. Oh
2: mate, she me and her. We Budding heads all the time didn't agree, I always bring these stories and say so you couldn't put them to air it was very tough <laughs> but um, it was good you know, good um, proving ground yes. and then, um, and then um, yeah, I kind of we had a few different, a few, I started with Will um, mm. Matthews and we had a few different people throughout my time on breakfast and mm. then James Brennan came on and we got along pretty well, and we um, started making a show together. About two, we just we just made our fifty-second episode, I think, of Ooh. the show, Uprise Radio. like current affairs half hour, and we've recently been joined by another host, Mercedes. It's great to get another perspective on the show. Yes, um, and she, yeah, she's been awesome. And yeah, it's, um,
1: mm. yeah. So, so, so when is it on? Where, where, what what time is it on?
2: It's on every second Wednesday at five thirty. Right. Um, yep. And a, a,
1: a, is it current affairs or is it more philosophical?
2: Well, it's current affairs. Yep. But with a kind of you know, with a long form you know, we only really look at one topic each week. So last week we were talking about the erasure of women's sport during the pandemic. Um, you know, which is you know, was it you know got growing incredibly just before the pandemic hit and has been, you know, a real victim of um all the sporting cuts, and and obviously it doesn't get the same treatment as men's sport, which is treated as this like essential to the to the, ma- the national psyche that it goes ahead for everyone's well-being. But women's sport is cancelled at the top of the hat, and all the resources are taken out of it. And yeah, it's uh, you know just an, another mm-hmm. old story of
1: that. And what's what what have you got playing for a fortnight's time?
2: Uh, we're going to be talking about the US. UK deepening alliance with the nuclear submarines mm. and also just what, yeah, like what danger this deepening relationship with the US puts Australia in.
1: That's right. Yeah, you better move out of Darwin or Alice Springs if you're listening to this program because we've become the front line. Well, look, yeah, it's, it's been... Really it's very it? It is very fine. The thing is about all this crap analysis, it's just crap and the government build at ABC and the corporate owned media so I'm, I'll be looking forward to listening to that program. Look, it's been a pleasure talking to you Mr. Jackson Macanini. M- <laughs> <laughs> pronounce it for us Macanini. McAninny, see I've got a producer who forgets the names of the guests <laughs> I mean, she said one time, she gave me the, exactly the opposite name of the guest, and the guest wouldn't answer. I'm thinking, what's the heck's going Just on? Just
3: keeping on your toes, Joe.
1: Yeah, and look, uh, look, we we'll forgive you, Jackson, for the yawns. Having a two-year-old daughter—I mean, I'm, I'm an old man now, but I, I do remember those days. And especially, yeah, and especially, a good bloke like you who would be sharing the uh, responsibility of raising your daughter with uh, your oh, partner—obviously, you will be um, kind of sleepy. Well,
2: thanks for having me on. It's really fun to have a yarn. Thanks, Kelly, for convincing me.
3: You're welcome.
1: Yeah, she's very good. Uh, Maybe I could lend her out to your uh, program as a producer. She's one of the best. I want
2: to hear more about the other projects she's working on. sounds fascinating. I won't drop any details
1: on here. No, no, no. Well, it's coming up on the 30th. And then we've got another one I've just landed on her desk this morning. She couldn't believe. What we're doing, we're going to do next next week next Wednesday we're doing four full, full hour interviews but that's a different story. <laughs> All right, well you look after yourself, look after your partner, look after your daughter, and look after your friends and uh, think about my business proposition. You could moonlight, <laughs> you know, as a dinner party uh, disruptor. All the best. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Take it easy. Bye bye.